Welcome to Bombs Away, a Minnesota Twins podcast. This is an emergency podcast, but I mean, I would have done a podcast today anyways, but the topic is an emergency, and that is that the Minnesota Twins have traded Louisa Rise to the Miami Marlins in a move that feels like it's been telegraphed all season long, but one that you didn't quite know if it was actually coming or if it's one of those that you just kind of talk yourselves into, like a Max Kepler to the Yankees trade although that could still happen. Uh, but one of those where you never really thought it could happen. You didn't really want to happen. And now it did happen. So uh, talk about a Friday news dump. I think that's the, the biggest thing, you know, news when, if you want a bad story to come out, you kind of put it off. Like when everybody's getting off work on a Friday. So like nobody really notices it. And by the time Monday rolls around, you know, I, there's fresh news cycle and all that. It's kind of uh, how it feels a little bit, uh, but that's uh, how it's been for the Minnesota twins. They just traded Louisa rise to the Miami Marlins in a move that broke. I'd say about two in the afternoon uh, with Jeff, another Jeff Passan bomb. Uh, and I'm going to Jeff Passan's Twitter to officially uh, confirm uh, his tweet uh, that happened at one forty-eight, So like about two o'clock central time uh jeff passan twitter bio espn period i bomb atomically and there was another passan bomb today with the news that uh and this is jeff passan's words via twitter trade news all-star second baseman luisa rice is going to the miami marlins and right-hander pablo lopez is headed to the minnesota twins sources tell espn deal is done players are being informed and more to come and i think really what this tweet is, and, and we have a, the full breakdown here from the Minnesota Twins themselves on the trade and, and, and who's all going where. In this trade, Luis Arise is the only person the Twins are giving up. He's going to Miami. The Twins get a starting pitcher in Pablo Lopez. They also get a 17-year-old prospect, which is kind of fascinating because he's born in 2005 in uh, May of 2005, which is just shocking to see that there's a, a professional baseball player that young, or at least born in that year playing, but he's one of the guys moved. So a guy who played rookie ball last year, obviously not going to, I mean, it's going to be five or six years before we really ever hear about him getting to target field. So he's going to be in the minors a while, a long-term prospect, but this is really, I think the one that moved the needle for the twins, because there have been reports during this entire process. The twins wanted Pablo Lopez. Luisa rise was on the table, but they weren't willing to do a one for one in a rise for Lopez. They knew that that wasn't going to be enough. And we'll get to talking about Lopez and a pitcher he is and what he brings to the table in a second, but Lopez is good. He's not good enough to warrant a one for one trade for Luis rise. So they get Jose Salas the infield prospect and now he's 19 years old so again it's going to be a few more years before we really can get too excited about this prospect but here's the reason why you can get excited about him in the short term is that he's Miami's number four number five rated prospect depending on where you go but the point is he's a top five prospect in the Marlins system and for the twins to get a starting pitcher in Pablo Lopez a top five prospect and whoever you want to whatever, like a throw in player that's 17 year old. That's a good haul. I don't like trading Luisa rise. I think that should be stated. Luis rise is a good ball player. He's the batting champion. I know he only hit what three thirteen. It's gotta be impressively low for a batting champ, but still, you know, if you imagine a rise who was hurt at the end of last year, if you imagine he's, although he did play in 144 games, but 
wasn't healthy for all of those. And especially towards the end when his average started to dip, but you know, by the all-star break, it felt like this could be a guy who could hit 340 in a season and just really took, took a step down in that second half. I'm going to guess it's a lot of injury concerns, but still, uh, still had that drop in production. And as we'll get to a guy in Lopez is a guy who kind of had a wonky second half of 2022 as well. So let's look here at this trade. Now let's look at it from this perspective. And this is, I think the biggest one, because you'll see people on social media immediately who said, this is fireable for the twins. You cannot trade the batting champion. You cannot trade a guy who prioritizes putting the ball in play, a guy who's a throwback player, a guy who's a nice foil to the Twins lineup that likes to do a lot of big swing and miss, arises just a nice kind of diversifier to your lineup in terms of hitting styles, and every lineup needs that. And, oh my gosh, how could you trade him? He's a good player. He's likable. He takes good at bats. He does all this stuff. How could you trade him? This is a fireable offense for Falvey. And then you have people who say, Look, man, Arise is a singles hitter. You know, he had his career best year. There's a whole bunch of injury concerns with Arise. And, like, do you want to take that risk? Is there, I mean, like, is it worth it? You're getting a good starting pitcher, whatever. I think I'm somewhere in the middle on this trade. I think at face value, I like the trade because I like Pablo Lopez. I like the trade because of the haul the Twins got in a top five prospect. Now, I mean, they traded a top five prospect for Sonny Gray last year, who was 19-year-old Chase Petty, and like, whatever. the twin, It's a teenage prospect. Most teams, unless they're Bryce Harper or Juan Soto, they don't really care too much about teenage prospects because there's just it's such a long time before they get to the major leagues that it, you know, there's a bit of iffiness there. There's a few more seasons. They could have a huge step down. They could get hurt. Something could go wrong. Uh, so that's why a lot of those teenage prospects are good trade bait for teams, as the Twins did last year with Chase Petty for Sonny Gray with the Cincinnati Reds. But I think overall, with this Twins trade, I'm somewhere in the middle because I agree. Luis Arise is a throwback player. He's a guy who... He's a guy who, like, you could pluck and put him onto the 2008 Twins roster, and he would just be the best. I mean, not the best player on the team because there's Maurer, but like, and Morno. But the, you know what I mean? Like, he's just a guy who fits perfectly in that early 2000s Twins of the Metrodome. And there's a bunch of guys who like to slap the ball around the yard, and they're scrappy at the plate, and they like to bunt, and they like to do all the little things and and whatnot. And true. And I love a rise for that because he is a throwback player. He's a guy, I mean, I still, that 13 pitch at bat he had against Edwin Diaz in 2019 to draw a walk. I mean, after being down 0-2, one of the most impressive at bats I've ever seen in my life. And one of the most entertaining walks I've ever seen in my life. That at bat didn't end with him ripping a double. It didn't end with him getting a go-ahead RBI single. It didn't end with him hitting a home run. It just ended with him drawing a walk. And he made walks exciting. He made being at the plate exciting because of his head nods and how charismatic he was. He was a very likable guy in the clubhouse. He's a very likable guy in the media. How could you not like Luis Arise personally and professionally? I understand that. And I, it stings losing Arise. I'll be honest. I wrote a piece for zone coverage about this. That's why it took me a little bit to get uh, to to get on here and do a podcast. But it's because uh, I was already writing out my thoughts on this Luis Arise thing because my instant gut reaction was, man, this stings, but I get it. I get it. And the twins are getting 
a nice value back for him. And that's where I stand. And I just had a little bit of time to kind of look into this and kind of figure this stuff out. And I think that's where I stand on this. So let's take a look at Luis Arise and just who he's been in his career. Uh, If you look at the stat line for Luis Arise, and and I'm pulling this up here, is that over his career, Luis Arise is a career, his slash line is 314, 374, 410. So his career OPS doesn't crack 800. And I know there's a lot of people out there who love the batting average. And I, I'm not as high on the batting average as everyone else, as maybe, you know, the more traditional fan. Uh, I'm not low on it. Like maybe some of the more analytically minded, but like I get the, I get why it's overvalued and I get why sometimes it's undervalued uh, in certain situations, but like the career at batting average is fine. That's okay. But when you add it with the on-base plus slugging, he's just a guy that doesn't get, he gets on base, but they're singles. Now there's the different, I mean, it's the classic money ball line. He gets on base. Do I care if it's a walk or a hit, you know, all that, all that stuff. But still uh, with that, I mean, he doesn't pick up extra bases Uh, is kind of the thing, and that's why the OPS is so low, because it's on-base plus slugging. So the on-base is really high, but the slugging just isn't that low, or just as low, because he doesn't hit that many home runs, and he doesn't hit that many doubles. Now, again, I'm fine with that for Luis Arise, because he's a good foil to the Twins lineup. He's a guy in 20... They had the Bomba squad in 2019, where they broke the home run record, and Luis Arise was putting along, having good at-bats, singles, doing everything he needs to do, working the count, making the pitchers throw extra pitches making him earn it, all that good stuff. So I, again, I think this just goes down to a gut level of, I understand why twins fans are upset about losing rise. And I'm upset too, to see a rise leave. But I think when you look at this trade for the twins, it's justifiable because a rise is a guy who is a positionless player. Luis Arise is somebody who, didn't stick at first base because Jorge Polanco or second base rather, because Jorge Polanco moved over from short to second base. That's the right move. Jorge Polanco needs a, uh, needs a forever position home and second base is that home. So Luis arrives was going to be a third baseman, maybe a utility outfielder. One of the, the, one of those kind of guys, third base, he's a little bit iffy, the corner outfields. I mean, he just can't cover that much ground. And then you look at first base, which is what he played 65 games in 2022. And he played fine there. But when you look at Luis arise, it's not just that he's not a great fielder. He's not a good fielder. In fact, he's a below average fielder. When you look at his numbers, so outs above average is just a classic uh, is just a is just a classic stat to use to rank rank fielders. And in terms of outs above average, Luis Arise is negative as a corner outfielder. He's negative as a second baseman, negative as a shortstop in his career. He's been negative at all of these positions. First base is the only one where he's got a positive, but it's one. It's one out above average. So he's just, just above average as a first baseman. And I know you don't quite look at positions like you do in the old days. Like, you know, I mean, heck, people got mad at Joe Maurer because he was a first baseman that couldn't hit for power. And then now Luis Arise is a first baseman who can't hit for power and, you know, whatever. Now, does your first baseman have to be your slugger? No, but the Twins have a log jam of players. Jose Miranda's the starting third baseman, so Arise isn't going to get a ton of time there. 
Jorge Polanco is the starting second baseman. Carlos Correa being back in the fold changes things dramatically because now Kyle Farmer is a utility infielder for the Twins. So he can be the guy to back up Jose Miranda. He can be the guy to back up Jorge Polanco. He can be the guy to relieve some of those uh, corner outfielders. Heck, he could even, uh, you know, he could even replace Buxton center. But I think that was that's more for Joey Gallo. But I digress. First base is where Arise would have slotted in. He would have been a first base slash DH. And first base is probably reserved now, especially that Arise has gone for Alex Kirilov to go. Because here's the thing. I know we haven't seen a ton of Alex Kirilov, but when that wrist is healthy, I've seen him hit on TV. And I've heard people who have wrote for the Twins, people who have stayed in touch with a lot of Twins guys, and let me tell you, they all love the swing of Kirilov. They think Kirilov is such a good hitter. And if he fixes that wrist issue, he's going to be a really, really, really good hitter. So the Twins are like, we're losing a nice contact hitter in Luis Arise, one of the better contact hitters in baseball. But if Alex Kirilov is the player that he was hyped up to be because he was the Twins' top prospect for a long time, or at least one or two with Royce Lewis, I mean, you have to give him a shot. You, ha- I mean, it's he's not a prospect that hasn't, gotten to the majors and needs to quote unquote earn it. He's been in the major leagues before in 2021 and 2022. And of course with the twins in the playoffs in 2020, because the twins thought that highly of Kirilov. So Alex Kirilov is a guy that when the wrist is good, can be a very dynamic hitter, like a game changing hitter. I think it was Patrick Royce. said it on a score North podcast could be one of the twins could, could be the twins best pure hitter this year. And I tend to believe those people because I have heard it from more than one person who's close to the twins by listening to podcasts and and reading the tea leaves on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. That's where I got it. So like you got to put Kirilov at first base. He's a more natural first baseman because it alleviates a little bit of the log jam that you have in those corner outfield positions at left field and right field. Because right now, and Max Kepler could still be traded, but Max Kepler is still on the twins roster. I know there's a lot of Twins fans saying, well, hey, why did the Twins trade arise? Why couldn't they have traded Kepler? I'm sure they tried, but Max Kepler just was not going to fetch Pablo Lopez without the Twins having to give up more. And if you're the Twins, your farm system has already taken a bit of a hit because guys like Kirilov and Larnick have graduated the prospect program. And now you kind of have to turn it over and the Twins are trying to reshuffle the farm system. So the prospect and they drained a little bit of it, trying to trade for Tyler Malley and Michael Fulmer and Sandy Leone and, and all those guys at the, and uh, Lopez and those guys at the, the trade deadline last year. So they didn't have a ton to choose from in the prospect pool, which is why they had to trade a rise. I'm sure. I mean, they didn't really want to trade a rise. It would have had to have been a player like Pablo Lopez. And we'll get to Lopez and what he brings to the twins. But I think first we have to establish it of trying to soft land kind of the, just the the sheer uh, emotion of Luis Arise leaving. Because, look, it's going to be hard to see Luis Arise in a Marlins uniform. He'll look great in it. It's going to be hard to imagine him in that because I really wanted him to be a twin for a long time. But that's not how it worked out. But I think the twins got a good deal in this one. It's like parting with, it's like parting with a car that you really wanted. To, like, you really like the car. You didn't want to get rid of it. You like we were talking about it, but you know, you had thoughts of driving that car for a few more years and kind of riding with it and seeing what happened. But then somebody just gives you an offer that you feel like you can't refuse. It's not blowing you out of the water by any stretch, but it's a nice offer. Let's save a car that's worth fifteen thousand dollars 
and you know whatever a guy offers you maybe tw- like your your car is worth fifteen thousand dollars on the market to sell and a guy offers you twenty thousand you're like well this is a nice offer like I it's not blowing he's not offering thirty thousand for it but twenty thousand for a fifteen thousand dollar car sure I'll take that I get some extra value I didn't want to part with this car but now I have 20,000 and I can now use that as I please. And that's what the twins are doing with this trade and arise. They didn't really want to trade him, but it's the price of doing business because twins fans, because they don't make these because the twins fans don't make buying trades rarely ever where they have to give up a major prospect. But like, that's the price of doing business is you got to give up some good capital to get good capital in return. The twins had a surplus of hitters and they turn that surplus of hitters into now a surplus of pitching and they still have a surplus of hitters that they can draw from like Max Kepler. So that's, that's where that stands. Anyway, there's that log jam of corner hitting outfielders. You have Matt Walner, you have Joey Gallo, you have Trevor Larnick, you have Alex Kirilov moving Alex Kirilov to first base takes one guy out of the equation. I'm assuming Max Kepler is traded, but until it actually happens, assume he's on the opening day roster. So Max Kepler in right field, Joey Gallo in left, I'd assume, and then Byron Buxton in center, or maybe Trevor Larnick in left, and then Joey Gallo's your DH. Joey Gallo being a DH, I wouldn't hate, and then splitting time in center with Buxton, while Buxton will DH from time to time. That is a role I can get behind. It's better than having Max Kepler in center field or Nick Gordon. So that that would help the Twins because of Gallo's arm and just what he brings to the table. It's not an ideal fit, but it's a little bit better. Um, and then you still have a guy like Matt Walner, who's going to cook in AAA, and he's played. He's a quadruple A player right now. He's too good for AAA, but we don't quite know if he's a major league player or not. Now the Twins obviously have to hold on to him in case the trade deadline comes around and they need some prospects to deal, or maybe Trevor Larnick falls off and then Matt Walner can come up. Point is, the Twins have a lot of depth right now. They have a lot of quadruple A players, and they kind of need to figure out who's a major league player and who's not. It's why, even though Gio Urshela would be nice on this team, you kind of had to, I mean, I get Kyle Farmers here, but Gio Urshela was a starter last year. Kyle Farmer coming in and knowing that his role is a utility guy coming in because Miranda's the third baseman and Carlos Correa's at short and Polanco's at second kind of makes it a little bit easier. Um, so I think the way that this Twins team is is structured, they're kind of like, look, this is the push. These are the prospects that Falvey and Levine have developed. Jose Miranda, Alex Kirilov, those guys I think were brought in under the Ryan Terry Ryan regime, but were developed at were developed by Falvey and Levine. Like they spent a majority of their time in the minors when Falvey and Levine were in charge and had their direction and had whatever. So that's they're pretty much Falvey and Levine. Then Royce Lewis, of course their first overall draft pick and then Brooks Lee. And then you have Duran who they traded for and you have Larnick who they drafted. And there's just guys that the twins have brought up and developed all over this team. And they're like, look, we it's their time. They've cooked in the minors for a few years and it's time for them to see if they're good or not. And if they are good, well, the twins are going to be very competitive for the next few years. And if they're bad, well, they're kind of out of luck, but they need to know that they need to know where they stand. Guys like Arise are good players. They're starting caliber players. But at a certain point, you have guys with higher ceilings who you need to figure out if they're good or not. Kirilov and Larnick and Walner and all those guys are in their mid to late 20s. You can't let them cook for much longer. I'm saying cook a lot, but you can't let them 
just be developmental guys or you can't let them mix in with the other guys or have to earn their way through AAA. I get injuries have played a part in that. That's also been true, but that's where the twins are at right now in terms of that. All this gets to say, I think it boils down to with the Luis Arise. He's a player without a position. He's a guy who gets a lot of singles, but doesn't quite get a lot of doubles. And that's not a knock, but that's just where he stands. You know, he he's a guy who doesn't get a lot of power. He's a, he's a nice foil for the Twins lineup with his pure contact, and I love his at-bats, and I love everything he does. But there are guys on this team like Alex Kirloff whose ceiling is higher than Luis Arise. There's Jose Miranda whose ceiling is higher than Luis Arise. There's Trevor Larnick whose ceiling is higher than Luis Arise. There's guys on this team who the Twins need to figure out are good or not, and Luis Arise just kind of adds to the logjam. So the Twins need to use their surplus value to go get value in another spot. And this is what brings us to now Pablo Lopez. So Pablo Lopez comes in this deal to the Minnesota Twins. We've talked about Pablo Lopez before, I believe just on last week's podcast. Uh, We talked about Pablo Lopez. We talked about Trevor Rogers. I think we even talked about Cabrera, Edwin Cabrera being in that mix as well. I don't think we really delved outside the Marlins organization because the Twins have had multiple talks with them and it just seems like a logical fit. Like the Twins and the Padres were talked about a week before the Twins sent Taylor Rogers for uh, for uh, Taylor Rogers. So, and this gets me to my next point. Now, Luis Rise is under team control until 2026, so it's not quite the same thing as Trevor Rod- uh, Taylor Rogers, excuse me, uh, being traded from the Twins to uh, San Diego a day before opening day. Now that one shocked me. And that one, honestly, I feel weirdly more upset about the Rogers trade than the arise trade. And I don't know why I think my only rationale is that the twins did it in a position of weakness. Like the bullpen, we didn't think was going to be that strong and it didn't end up being that strong outside of Duran and Thielbar and Jax. But like Rogers would have been useful. And Emilio Pagan wasn't. And Chris Paddock hurt his, sh- uh, hurt his elbow, not his shoulder, his elbow, but And it happened a day before opening day. Like, this is the crew you're rolling with. They're on their way back up to Target Field right now to start the season. Is this really how you want to do it? I thought that in the suddenness, I get the lockout played a hand in that. So I understand. But I think that's what did it. And the fact of that there was a position that needed depth way more than the Twins need good left-handed hitters. The Twins have left-handed hitters. that They have a surplus of that. They have a surplus of hitting arises guy without a position and a role on this team outside of being a DH slash first baseman, which he would have been a part-time player at each. So he's a guy who doesn't have a long-term home and he's a guy you need to trade surplus value for. And the twins did that with Rogers because Rogers was going to leave in free agency. The twin and by that, the twins were going to resign him. So the twins are going to try and get some value out of that. And that's how the twins operate. You look at a team like the Tampa Bay race. It's why they move off of David price early. It's why they moved off of Blake Snell early. It's probably why they'll move off of Tyler glass. Now early, they move off of some prospects pretty early because they realize that like this guy's going to be expensive and we're not going to be able to afford him. So let's get him. Let's get rid of him now. While his value is high, they traded Blake Snell after nearly pitching the race to a World Series win in 2020. And the same thing with Luisa Rice. He, by the way, this is an interesting fact. Luisa Rice is the first player to win a batting title and be traded since when? Rod Carew in 1978, also for the Twins. I believe that was when it was the Twins to the Angels. 
So it's kind of fitting uh, that the twins were involved in both. That was done for two different reasons, uh, but it doesn't matter. Uh, that That's just how that stands uh, with the twins. I think it's a fun fact uh, that the only two times that the, uh, that the batting champ has been traded uh, after the season after winning is by the Minnesota twins. Um, so I think in all of this, it's just to say with how the twins do trades, this is kind of how it works. If it's a guy that they're not sure that they're going to be able to lock up long-term, they're not afraid to trade him. Now, Carlos Correa was an exception because he's a superstar and you were trying to lock him up and whatever. You just weren't going to trade him at the deadline. That just wasn't going to happen, but, um, they'll do it with a, Taylor Rogers. They'll do it with a Louisa rise. Louisa rise is under team control until 2026, but that's also what made him more appealing to other teams is that Miami could get him on the cheap for the next few years. So they're going to get him for 2023, 2024 and 2025. The twins are going to get Pablo Lopez through 2023 and 2024. So you get him for the next two seasons, which is a very nice bonus. So that's just kind of how the twins do trades. If there's a guy they feel like they can get some value for, they're going to do it. Because, by the way, that's how they kind of have to. They're a mid-market team, and they're not going to, as much as I wish the Twins would, they're not going to use more financial assets than to be about middle of the pack, like 15th in spending, like literally middle of the pack. So that's not going to happen that way with spending. Um so they're going to, that's how they, you hear Falvey all the time. We got to get creative. And this is how they get creative. I mean, I don't know if Chris Paddock's going to work or not. We'll see how he recovers from the Tommy John. He's probably not going to be back till like August at best. And who knows what the twins rotation looks like at that time with all the young guys they have. But in terms of major league ready, proven talent, this is a very good Minnesota twins rotation. It's not great. It's not elite. Like there's the elite tier. There's the really good tier or like the, uh, there's the elite tier, there's the great tier, and there's a good tier. And the Twins are in the good and could and are kind of in that middle, very good. They're good for now. They're good. They're respectable. They're good. It's a playoff caliber rotation. Whether it's a World Series caliber rotation, that's yet to be seen. The Twins don't have a true ace in their rotation. Pablo Lopez is a good get, but he's not an ace. He lines up in quality, and we'll get to to Lopez's stats and who he is in a second, but he doesn't quite equate to being um, a, a, an ace caliber pitcher. I think he's got the ceiling to do it, but he might be that Jose Barrios level of really good, but can't quite crack that level. And again, Jose Barrios, another example of a guy, the twins didn't want to extend or didn't think they could extend and said, you know what? We need to get rid of this guy now while we have some value. And it got them Simeon Woods Richardson, a guy who they will use this year in, in uh, at target field. And also Austin Martin, who gives the twins again, more position player flexibility in the prospect pool. If they have to make a trade, I'm not saying I like it all the time. There are some tough trades that they have to make, but this is how they're going to have to reshuffle the farm system and make sure they keep getting good players in here. For the future of the Twins' farm system, they have, in the return, a number five prospect from Miami. And then they have another 17-year-old to throw in the mix. That's just a, an add-in. But they have a they now have a guy who will slot in in the top 10 in their farm system. Even if he just plays three quarters of the season for the Twins in double-A ball or in low-A ball Fort Myers and gets traded for an, another player down the road, maybe a nice right-handed hitting bat who can play corner outfield, or maybe it's a, a good bullpen arm or whoever, you now have trade chips. They're not 
top level farm system, but it gets them maybe from 23rd overall to like 17th. And that'd be a big bump. And then you can clear it again. And then you'll have to make a couple trades, but then you'll make it work. And you'll do all this kind of stuff to reshuffle the farm system because also the Twins have the number five overall pick in the draft this year. Something that they weren't supposed to get but because of the draft lottery, they got a very nice slot. So they're going to have the chance to draft another top prospect like they did with Brooks Lee last year. So the Twins are in an advantageous spot in to try and reshuffle the prospects and reshuffle the farm system. So that's very good for them. Um, anyway, so my last point, let's get on Pablo Lopez and how good this guy can be for the Minnesota twins. Pablo Lopez, his, uh, over his career, uh, has an ERA of three, nine, four. So it's an ERA under four. And you might say, well, that's not good. But when you consider his first couple of years of getting his feet wet in 2020, 2021, and 2022, he had ERAs of 3.61, 3.07, and 3.75, respectively. His FIP has been under four all the last three seasons, uh, fielding independent pitching is that. It basically factors out a few things. It kind of tells you, like, are you pitching above your weight or not? Like, are you overperforming or are you underperforming? Like, how should you have done? It's kind of a barometer for that. And he's kind of been right along with those projections. Um, when you look at um, his repertoire of pitches, he throws five pitches, pretty much relies on the fastball and the changeup. Now, his changeup is really good. From what I've read about Pablo Lopez, his changeup is his not uh, not his most used pitch, but his most maybe effective pitch, his best pitch, one of the best changeups in baseball. He has a fastball. He tops it at mid nineties. He's not a guy that's going to, he's not a guy that's going to throw heat with the fastball, but is a guy that can be effective with it and paint the corners. He can locate it pretty well and he can locate the changeup pretty well. So that helps as evidenced uh, by, as we take a look at some of his other stats here, as they're uh, uh, pulling up on the sheet as evidenced by his, um, as evidenced by the number of walks that he gives up, um, his walk rate per nine is 2.65, not terrible. Uh, strikeouts per nine, 8.7. So again, not a ginormous strikeout hitter or strikeout pitcher, but knows how to get guys out. Got the five-pitch repertoire. He's got the sinker, the cutter, curveball he mixes in there more than the sinker and the, and the, and the cutter. But overall... It's the fastball and the changeup, the changeup of which he throws really well. So Pablo Lopez is a guy we talked a lot about last week, so go look at that as well. To Lopez, again, he's a guy who slots in like Tyler Malley. He's a good number two. on a on a, If he goes to the Pittsburgh Pirates, Lopez or Malley, they're number one pitchers for that team. If you go to the Dodgers, you're like a four pitcher or a three pitcher. If you go to the Twins, you're a number two. And so the Twins have loaded their rotation with a lot of number two pitchers. Joe Ryan isn't an ace, like a bona fide Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Jacob deGrom kind of ace. But he's a nice pitcher and a guy who's got a lot of upside. So you have Joe Ryan. You have Tyler Malley, again, in that same boat. Not an ace, but a nice number two pitcher. You have Pablo Lopez. Not an ace, but a nice number two pitcher, number three. That middle to top of the, the rotation kind of arm. Then you also have... Uh, Sonny Gray, who's, uh, who, again, on the Reds is like your number two starter, but now on the Twins, for the Twins being like their number four starter means they have a really good rotation. And that number five spot, the Twins seem to hint that it's going to be Kenta Maeda. Again, another nice little feather in the cap, another nice piece that they can use to try and 
add to this uh, add to this pitching staff. And that's not even counting guys like Louis Varlin. That's not counting guys like Bailey Ober, who might start the season in AAA. Maybe that's the best for him considering uh, his injury late in 2022. Get healthy, get his confidence back, whatever. You have Simeon Woods Richardson. You have Josh Winder. You have just this plethora. You have Jordan Belazovic, if he can turn it around. The Twins have this plethora of starting pitchers that they can draw from to kind of create this lineup of of this rotation of like a report card. Some teams, they have an A as their ace, and then it goes down to like two Bs and then a C minus and then a D or an F or something. Your number five guy's just a wash. The Twins have like B, 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 B minus C plus if you like Kenta Maeda because you're not sure how he's going to do a year and a half removed from Tommy John surgery. You know, whatever. That's a good lineup. That's a really good starting rotation. Not great, not elite, but really good. And there's a potential to be really good. This is a rotation that can get the Twins to the playoffs. And if Pablo Lopez or Tyler Malley or uh, uh, Joe Ryan reaches that upside or takes another step, if Joe Ryan can take another step and maybe pitch a few more innings, Pablo Lopez pitched 180 innings last year for the Marlins. That's a lot of innings. Now, in the second half of the season, I think he had by the All-Star break, had an ERA of under three, and it went up a whole run to end the season. So he definitely had his, he definitely fell off in the second half of the season. His ERA went up to over four, and it it evened out. So he had a really great first half, a not-so-great second half of the season. Um, but I think overall, he's still a good pitcher, and he's still somebody that the Twins can roll with. The concern would be, you know, he threw 180 innings. Are the Twins going to go five and dive? And I think if the Twins rotation is built as it is, I don't see a reason to go five and dive because now you've added more quality. Maybe you do with Kenta Maeda. Maybe you pair him with Bailey Ober or Josh Winder or Cole Sands or somebody. Maybe when Chris Paddock comes in, who knows? But I think this allows the Twins to be able to be more flexible with their starting rotation, getting an innings eater guy like Pablo Lopez. And the last thing I'm going to look up here is the innings for Pablo Lopez. So in 2020, he pitched a total of 57 innings. Of course, that was in the COVID shortened year. In 2021, he had 102 innings. In 2019, he had 111. So 180 is a bit of an outlier. So you're, I mean, it's very unlikely you're going to get 180 innings out of them, even if the Twins don't do the five and dive all season long. Maybe it gets closer to 130, 150. That's still an, That's still a nice number especially considering he hasn't gotten anywhere close to that high at all in his career. So you just want to make sure that you don't overuse that arm, especially early in the season. But he's a guy that you can trust to pitch deep into ball games and to get a lot of innings. That also might be because his manager was Don Mattingly and a very old school manager for Miami last year. So that might have also played a bit of a hand in that. But that's where the Twins stand. I think in terms of Pablo Lopez, I think he's a really good get for the Twins. I've talked about him on the podcast before. Go back and listen to last week's episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. And then I also talked about him back when we did a trade deadline preview on the Bombs Away podcast back in late July. And I said, Pablo Lopez is a guy to watch out for. He's a sneaky addition that I think would be really good on this team. Now, I was very high in him back then. I've softened a little bit with that fall he had at the end of last season and his ERA going up, but still a good pitcher, still somebody the Twins uh, are good to get, and I think that's the value. The Twins got a good value for a rise. It sucks to lose him, but I get it. I get the value. Time will tell. Maybe the Twins end up regretting this trade. Maybe Lopez is shot. I don't know. But as of right now, the Twins got better 
in the starting pitching department, Twins fans were clamoring, well, we got Carlos Correa, but do we get any pitching? Well, they were never going to get Verlander or DeGrom. They were never going to get those guys. They were never going to get Carlos Rodon without massively overpaying, in which case Twins fans would have complained that he was being overpaid. So there, it's a bit of a lose-lose with that, if, if you're looking at it from that angle. But look, the Twins got pitching, and to get major league caliber pitching, He's a veteran. He's pitched four years in the league. He knows to go about his business. He's still 26 years old, has some upside, has another year of team control after this one because Sonny Gray, Tyler Malley, Kenta Maeda, all scheduled to be free agents after this season. So it protects you in case all three of those guys leave to at least where now you could have Joe Ryan and Chris Paddock and uh, Jorge Lopez. Uh, uh, Pablo Lopez, excuse me, Jorge Lopez is closer. Uh, and and those guys kind of protects you at the top of the rotation in case those guys leave. But that's where the Twins stand right now. And that's really all my thoughts on this. I could just kind of delve into the little weeds a little bit, but uh, I think that's pretty much it. I'm going to keep it brief and we'll talk about other things. I've, I've yet to talk about the bullpen yet. Uh, this is like the third podcast in a row I've pushed that off because there's been breaking news and we've just had other things come up that I think we want to talk about more. So I promise you for like the third week in a row, we're going to talk about that next week. This has been the bombs away podcast. I'm CJ Baumgartner, and we'll talk next time.